chapter 10 or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Welcome to our discussion of chapter 10 of Double Date. Mother gets a break. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, just, there's so much going on here that's like, there's subtext that you have. It's like you have to have cultural awareness on some stuff to even understand what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, part of it is that, um, you know, it's still a little weird to have women running businesses. I mean, it's even mm-hmm. still a little weird now, right? But, like, mm-hmm. at the time, it was, like, a big deal. Like, I'm sure. So there's, like, this scene where um, Randy's mom comes in and is, like, like sussing out the business and talking mm-hmm. to Penny and Pam's mom and claiming that she's there to like, just because her son like hangs out with her kids and like, she just mm-hmm. wants to get to know the mom. Um, but then she ends up uh, actually hiring the mom after she gets a sense of the business. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if she mm-hmm. wasn't like being coy because she wasn't sure about like hiring this like woman decorator i'm sure she's had decorators multiple times you know what i mean Mm. like this Mm -hmm. is like there are people who decorate every season they redecorate you know Mm. they have people come in and like reorganize their house for them as the season changes um so i wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of like part of it interesting interesting and then the whole the whole business discussion too when mom was i i just realized how they were pinging like all the stuff they were pinging on this that, you know, that she's, that, you know, mom was so swamped with customers. Business had improved steadily. So we have to like, you know, mom has to be, a, she's a successful business person capitalist, right? So that's, so she's hitting those, those things. And then she's got this discussion about whether she's going to hire Dorothea Crane, right? Yeah. And Dorothea Crane her background, the only reason a woman would take her job is for the following reasons. First, she had studied interior decoration before her marriage. But of course, when she was married, she did not work. But now her kids were in school. She was, you know, it was, it would be okay for her to take a job, right? Um, yeah. And she was quite willing, to, not, she was quite willing to help out whenever she was needed. So she's been helping out, quote unquote, but hasn't been, I mean, I'm sure that she was paying her something. I'm assuming it wasn't just, you know, I'm here for fun. But now, yeah. you know, she, she wants a full-time job. I, you know, I, that, that whole paragraph kind of struck me as um, people reading this book are not going to get alarmed that women are willy-nilly getting jobs. You know, they're not, they're not out yeah. there trying to run businesses and being willy-nilly. This is, this is these particular women who have fulfilled these particular requirements. They have raised their children. They were married. You know, it's all, this is now okay. You know, so... Um, because otherwise it'd be massively threatening, right? To have successful businesswoman running around. Um, and then this yeah, whole, that although, whole, yeah. Mm-hmm. As ever, I really feel like uh, Rosamund Dujardin is mm-hmm. trying to establish a norm that is probably not the, actually the norm she was like living in or raised True. in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I think you can kind of, see that in in like Jane Austen too right like it was definitely not the norm that she was writing but she would write women who could very easily write you know what I mean Mm, like she was mm -hmm. perpetuating the idea as a way to like send that concept out into the world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So yeah, yeah that's probably I think there's a little bit of, I think honestly, like from a pop culture sort of um, low key, like not, you know, like some people are very direct. Right. And I get the sense that like Rosamond herself is not a, is not very direct, but she is writing this book with a lot of like um, undercurrents, you know, mm-hmm. like Penny, Penny is a main character woman who is differentiating herself and like mm-hmm. purposely deciding to not be like Pam, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even though it doesn't mean, even though she doesn't get, to, she has, um, shouldn't, she doesn't get instant gratification for doing that. Right. She kind of mm-hmm. has to like take a hit a little bit, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's work, but she, but she's written even from the very beginning, feeling like it's worth it to take that mm-hmm. hit. Like she feels more self-actualized. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a big deal, honestly, mm-hmm. like even now, like plenty of women are not brought up with that concept, you know? Right. Right. Well, in these particular kids, I think the next book, they go to college, which even then at that, at that point, it was unusual, you know, mm-hmm. um, you would maybe go to some sort of like community college thing, but you were trying, you were trying to get the husband. And then you wouldn't, you know, you'd be at home housewiping. Oh, yeah. That was the ideal kind of, you know, like Gosh, I even know people who did that, you know, like really just literally did it, chose their college to find the husband, mm. you know, they used and to call then, it the, M- the MRS degree. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Mrs. Oh. MRS. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> the prefix. Who even uses them anymore? I know. Really? Yeah. Some people do. The people they do. who go to school to find the hut. You're right. You're right. But then it's interesting that before that, you know, we have this testament to good classical training in the sense that Penny likes classical music, you know, and that whole shtick there is just kind of, you know, Pam is always coming out there as the, as the girl who's a little more, um, I don't know would you call it progressive? She's a little more like after what she wants, getting what she wants. She plays her little mind games. I think you mean assertive. What did I say? Progressive? Progressive? Progressive. I mean, in the sense that she's, you know, um, well, you know, her little, like like the way she manipulates, I mean, she's manipulative and she plays people and she's like, she takes charge of every situation and she makes it the way she wants it, you know? So it's like the the Pam universe, um, which might feel a little too forward, for some of our dear readers. And so the fact that Penny is, you know, she's, she's trying to find her own way and she likes a boy and she's trying to do this and that. And, but she's got like a classical background. She likes classical music. I mean, that's a, you know, she's not getting like pulled in the direction of all this modern stuff, you know, is yeah, that's so interesting. I definitely mm-hmm. like perceive Pam as being incredibly not progressive like not Mm. like like I just see her as being like very conservative like this is what people say women are supposed to do they're Mm -hmm. supposed to like solve all of the decisions for the guys you know like Mm -hmm. tell the men what to do in the relationship like like the women have all the power blah 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 but in this very like indirect mind game emotional game kind of way Mm -hmm. that requires like yeah, but you're, but, but I, well, you're, well, see. you're supposed to land, you land the boy, like you land a fish, right? And once you got him, you just got him. And at that point, you're not concerned anymore with, you know, their emo- emotional, who they are emotionally. I mean, she's talking about Spark and she's talking about Randy and she's talking about Mike, 
almost as commodities, you know, like who's, yeah. who's got what to offer her as you know, she's entranced by big shoulders, but then Randy's got the convertible, you know, it's, it's like, it's objectification. She, yeah. And she's not, she's not thinking about, right. She's not thinking even about connecting with them emotionally at all. Whereas, whereas Penny is really talking about, Oh, Mike, if you only knew how much we have in common and, you know, like she's, she's wanting to connect, you know, and the, I, I learned recently that the diff, that being objectified has to do with, I learned in that shame book, the understanding and mm-hmm. treating chronic shame, that mm-hmm. being objectified happens when somebody is just not interested in how you feel in your subjective mm. experience. Like mm. I've always oh, thought of it as like, yeah, I've definitely always thought of it as just being like seen as like a butt or mm. an object, like yeah. a waste. Yeah, mm-hmm. like an object, but it's actually uh, for in that psychological context, it's it's nobody asking about your internal world because your mm. internal world is hidden. So the only thing you can see externally is your object, you as an object. And mm-hmm. if nobody, if the person doesn't investigate or ask how you feel about anything, they are going to absolutely like not gain any subjective information about you. And that mm-hmm. it, that is the feeling of objectification, actually. Mm-hmm. Isn't that mm-hmm. like kind of fascinating? That is very fascinating. It truly is. Huh. And yeah, definitely never, yeah. on both mm-hmm. sides that we talk a lot about like men objectifying women in the media, right? Mm-hmm. Like we talk about that a lot. But mm-hmm. when you listen to Pam talk about these guys, just like you're saying, she's, mm-hmm. she's objectifying them just as much you mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. in a, in a non like media Photoshop kind of way in a like, right, right. just looking at them objectively, you know, not curious about them subjectively. You know? So what you're saying, you're saying is Pe- Pam is the one who's more acting out those older patterns, you know, the patterns of the past that this is how women behave. This is how they get what they want. And once you do get it, you don't expect much from it. Whereas Penny is maybe the one who's got a more modern mindset that, you know, she wants to connect. She wants to be friends with somebody. She wants to get to know them. Um, and she wants to be seen for who she actually is and not remain an object to the other person. You know, I don't see but Penny. Like, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I mean, I don't see Pam like revealing her vulnerabilities much, you know? No. No, she's Pam isn't even investigating her own subjective world. You know, she's not, you know, but but like, what's interesting is that actually like you just said to me what I have been assuming this whole time, but now I'm going to say back to you that I feel like you right before this suggested to me Mm -hmm. that Pam is the more progressive (laughs) because she's willing to take on that objectifying role that we usually associate with the masculine, you know, like Mm -hmm. she's willing to play that game. She's willing to like assert without considering, you know, the other. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I I find, I mean, the other subjectively, you know, and Mm -hmm. I find that really interesting. Like, I guess Mm -hmm. in essence, I suppose it's, it's really not like a gendered thing at all. It's really like, uh, are we, are we valuing the subjective experience of the individual or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. as a culture, are we doing that? Mm-hmm. And I, yes. I think yeah. we're yeah. getting better. I do actually really think we're getting better at it. It, it It's not a, really that fun. You really find out that most people feel terrible. Like, 
can't like, if you're interested in subjective experience, you really do find out like most people's subjective experience is really rough, you know, like, mm-hmm. like in so, in, with so much nuance, you know, but yeah. you also find out that there's like, there's, it's actually not that hard to help with a subjective experience. That's rough, you know, mm-hmm. like doing caring and, you know, anyway, listening, just listening, listening. Well, there's also this detail. I guess I'm just really fixated on the detail about the music that, mm. you know, if like who's modern versus who is classic. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this, in this little section, they're having Penny be, they're setting Penny to be up to be more classic, which would be reassuring to the conservative mind reading this being like, Oh, well, okay. Maybe she's newfangled on some of these things, but at least she likes the classical music. So I wonder if it's, it's either a detail put in there to show that she's classy and she's like, um, got value, even though she's not popular and uh, the way her sister is, you know, or is, mm-hmm. or, or they're really, you know, I don't know. It's just an interesting, it fits totally with her character that she would be like, she's the one who's reading Hamlet or thinking about Hamlet. She's the one who's like reading and writing and books and all this kind of stuff, which is co- sort of classic as opposed to the Pam who needs all this external entertainment and partying and, you know, being, wined and dined all the time, you know, as a way to feel entertained or, or valued. Right. So, yeah, I guess I just, I don't know how often I felt like classic fits with conservative mm -hmm. because the classics usually imply like an intellectualism Mm -hmm. that's not particularly appreciated by the, the classic like concept of a conservative, Mm -hmm. at least in America, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Typically, like the idea of being like the every man who mm-hmm. doesn't know too much but is honest and mm-hmm. like simple right. versus mm-hmm. like the person who appreciates like the classics who's mm-hmm. got like this this depth of um, detail that they mm-hmm. expect. Well, intellectualism, to be intellectualism yeah. versus like the working man with someone who works with their hands, kind of thing. You know, um, yeah. And there's definitely a, um, and that can be, you know, the extremes in either direction. I mean, the extreme intellectualism, which has a superiority to it, you know, and, you know, often is, you know, patronizing or condescending. Like this thing, like you really, you keyed in on that one part where the Randy's mom, who's not, she's not at all condescending, you know, it's like this thing that just because she has money, like whoever made the money in this family, you know, the dad's out there making the money, the wife is automatically assumed to be just upper class. And so if she Mm -hmm. talks to you at all and she's not being condescending, she's being extra nice, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. instead of just assuming she would talk to anybody like just like a regular person, you know? Um, That was all kind of laced with a lot of, a lot of classism, I guess is what I would maybe call it. Gosh, so much. And I'd say that the way she acted was honestly just condescending. You know what I mean? Like. It's, it's not even like, there's not even a question. I'm sure like, you know, you can have an agreeable back and forth and the person Mm -hmm. can still be, you know, what did she say? She was very interested in the shop and spent quite a bit of time browsing around and looking at everything, sort of appraising it Mm -hmm. and me. Mm-hmm. sort of appraising it and me. like how is that not condescending like that's just <laughs> what condescension is you know mm. 
And I mean, like it works out and like, you do kind of have to like walk around and like make your choice. But I don't know if I've ever like walked around and somebody's been like, I mean, maybe I don't, I mean, although I have also been accused of being condescending in my life, no, really, you know, when, when trying to make a choice, you know, like I can, mm-hmm. anyway, I just, well, just you know, mother was so breathless. I mean, reading this out loud, I, you know, mother was really uh, thrown for a loop. I mean, she's really starry eyed about this moment, you know, like this is her big break, you know, and yeah. in- instead of just having it, I mean, instead of like, how else could it be like, you know, I'm just a really good, I'm a really good designer. And of course this person is going to get a lot out of working with me. It's going to be a mutual thing. It's going to be mutually beneficial, you know? And she's, and she's so like blown away that it's all um, in one direction. You know, all the blessing is coming in one direction, you know? So, yeah, I I guess it's like, it's, it's something that I, I have never dealt with is I, even though I've had like multiple recessions in my career, I've never Mm -hmm. had like, a time when like when I was just getting out of school as a graphic designer, I just took odd jobs from the internet until I had built up my portfolio and then I could like go get work. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I was never like in a position of not having opportunity to at least like find some work to build my portfolio, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I don't know if that's like, if other people don't see the world that way, or if that's a unique to me thing, but you know, this was before the internet, she's just picked a place that she thinks has enough, uh, enough customer base to support her business. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's not like she can just be like anyone nearby, come talk to me. You know, mm-hmm. they really do have to like come to her shop. She has to build those relationships. I mean, every good business needs to do that. I mean, every mm-hmm. business needs to do that, but mm-hmm. I guess I can understand like the relief of being like, cool. Like I have a lead, like I have a real right. lead, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Just all the, it, it was like all the breathless with wonder. It was the way it's being characterized. I didn't notice as much because like this time I read it out loud, you know? Yeah. You know, and she keeps, if you know, you know, I suppose he, and then, and then Pam, of course, taking credit for it. <laughs> oh, she's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little jealous. Like, I want to be Pam sometimes, you know, like, mm. if not all the time. Like, it looks so simple. You know, mm. no? it's like, mm-hmm. I don't mean simple, like, like, simple like dumb or anything like that I just mean like it looks like confidence you know like she's Mm -hmm. but I have like I don't know if you felt this way but I've definitely spent a lot of my time like wishing I had more of that like audacious delusion that I'm the center of the universe yeah (laughs) yeah like it just looks Pam thinks everything revolves around her that's like like I know yeah I know. I used to think that that's like what the goal of having confidence was. Like I used to be like, I can't wait for the day that I finally have enough self-respect, enough self-confidence that I believe this about myself, (laughs) the way these like deluded people feel. And because it it just looks like everything looks so from a decision-making standpoint, it's like, they aren't, it's not as heavy, you know, it's just like, Oh, which of these guys do I want? Like, 
what do I want to do today? Like, when do I want to do the dishes? You know, like whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, it looks so chill. Like, but in my mind, it's always been like, okay, how is this going to affect 80 other people? <laughs> like, and then like, why do I, and, and even doing that is a little, it's diluted the other way. Right. It's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like, oh, how do I even know how anything affects 80 other people? But it's like a heavier delusion <laughs> than the well, one this where you just like- some, Okay, I'm gonna, I, you're making me philosophize right now in my head. I, I feel like she's, the way she's, at, the way Pam acts is like, I'm, she looks confident, but she needs this constant hit of validation, like in yeah, yeah. whatever form. And she arranges her world so she gets it and she knows how to get mm-hmm. it out of people. To me, in my head, real confidence is- is being able to put everyone else in front of you and not have it be a problem, you know, like, like highlighting other people's strengths or making somebody else look good or, you know, um, giving other people a break or whatever. And, you know, so. Yeah. I I think you're, I think you're right. I think that's like, that is like, that's real security. That's real confidence. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's maturity, you know, Mm -hmm. but if Mm -hmm. I were going to have to like fall into a certain trap of immaturity, I wished, <laughs> I always wished. <laughs> Could have been this one, damn it. <laughs> yeah, why couldn't it be that one? <laughs> that one looks so fun. <laughs> well, didn't you mess with that at, at summer camp sometimes? Remember you went to summer camp one year and you were like, this is the year I'm going to figure out boys or whatever, you know? Yeah, but it wasn't like flirting. I just wanted to talk to them. Like I wasn't trying mm. to like, like I would never. Oh, you weren't trying to get hurt. them to like you. You were just, you no. were. Oh, okay. I was just like, I'm going to talk to boys now because mm. I've summer before never it was talking talked to girls. To them. You're right, right. Yes. Smart. I never talked to boys before I needed to talk to boys. <laughs> <laughs> talking to human males. <laughs> see where that's, see so, what that's all about, you know? Yes. As far as we knew per their identifying features <laughs> at the time, really. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Well, so, I mean, any of these games, I mean, I don't think I, I, I was so like just out there with all of my everything, like, you know, just blah, you know, like whatever I was feeling, I was showing, you know, I wasn't real subtle, you know? So if I like somebody, like I, I went at them like gangbusters and, you know, it, it, girls and boys, like whoever I just was like really into, I was like into them, you know? And I would, I'd, 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 rush to hang out with them. And I'd be like, this is so great to see you. And I, uh, you know, like I was super affectionate and I, you know, I look back on it. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't real. You know, there wasn't a lot of reality there because the other people were kind of reacting from a place of like, you know, they didn't know what was going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, I was kind of deceiving myself that I had a lot more connections with people than I actually did. Does that make sense? Because I was. Yeah. The difference between a 50, 50 connection and just somebody Mm -hmm. like taking orders, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's really like kind of stunning. I mean, I guess I had that. I did. I used to think that like, there are a lot, I have a lot of misconceptions. I Mm -hmm. I think we all feel that way when we look back, we're Mm -hmm. like, "Uh Oh, that like, wasn't exactly right. But like, <laughs> that wasn't you know, that wasn't we, really happening <laughs> yeah 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 because we did talk about we've talked about Pam before and and I I did have the belief that that was my job like if I were to end up with a, a guy I was mm-hmm. supposed to be directing him and 
managing the relationship and keeping it, you know, in the, the vicinity of what the roles were supposed to be. Like I basically was taking on a people management role for whoever mm. the guy was that I was mm. into. <laughs> and that's like, that's like not what I would recommend for myself anymore mm-hmm. or anyone else if they, depending on how they feel about it. Like some people mm-hmm. love that, you know, but I mm-hmm. really want a 50-50 back and forth, right? Which is just not the same thing. It's just not, it's a different mm-hmm. thing, you know? Well, and it's um, so interesting because because that, that whole do unto others, you know, rule, right? Where, mm-hmm. and I kind of took that literally in the sense that I'm going to give this person what I want, you know, which yeah. is, you know, I want admiration. So I'm going to admire this person because yeah. I want admiration in return. I'm going to give, you know, all this validation because I want, when in fact, that other person will take the admiration, but they're not necessarily going to give it back to you. You know, they're not um, because either they're thinking that they're going to give you what they want or they're, they actually don't like you that much. And they're just going to take what you give and not give back at all. You know? So it's, it was always kind of frustrating to me to, you know, to be kind of pouring out into the world, all the things that I wanted. And Mm -hmm. it did not come back in my direction, you know? And I, and so really the golden rule to me is do unto others as they would want to have you do unto them. Right. You know, like find out what that person's really hungering for and discover whether you will want to provide that and, and, and then are you able to articulate what you need in return and actually be upfront about what you need? I guess that's the thing. I don't think I even knew what I needed. I just knew what made me feel good to give. And it made me feel good to give it because that's what I wanted. You know, that's my, that, that's kind of, I think how that worked for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that ends up being, uh, even with all the best intentions in the world Mm. as a transactional Mm -hmm. engagement, right? Because I'm giving it to you, not for your benefit, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm giving it to you for what I hope is my benefit, you know, in the, Mm -hmm. in the future. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think that's very definitely my MO. And I'm, so I think I'm probably, I mean, I relate, I like Penny and I'm relating to Penny, but I think I was probably more like Pam kind of, I mean, in a different context, you know, like, yeah, it was kind of a shallow, scenario although I had I mean my two best friends are friends I had from back then you know and I've had them my whole entire life and we adored each other unreservedly at the time so maybe it was just a really kind of um, coincidental confluence of needs and you know and and wants and what we had to offer you know that we just clicked you know Um, or you guys just had a similar value system so mm -hmm. they understood implicitly what the transaction was and they appreciated it you know, mm-hmm. that's that you also just find people who can find, uh, you know, who can, who can stay in relation to you without burning out. Right. That means mm-hmm. that, I mean, you're still providing everybody needs everyone, you know, mm-hmm. like there's nothing actually like inherently wrong with it. It's just that, uh, there's, there's even more available in a relational sense. You know, mm-hmm. there's, mm-hmm. there's that amazing feeling of, of giving and receiving with no, with no expectations. And then mm-hmm. everything feels like a gift, like a surprise, mm-hmm. you know? It's right. Like a, right. Well, you're not locked in, you're not locked into one set of behaviors for all time. Yeah. You know, you're like, this person can change. And as their needs change or their enjoyments change, you can, you can go with that flow, you know? Yeah, Instead exactly. Of, right. Right. 
and that's exactly. super rewarding yeah. yeah that dance happens that dance mm-hmm. you get you get the dance at that point and if you don't mm-hmm. if you don't do that you don't get the dance and there's a certain amount there's just a certain amount of life that happens where at some point like doing the same thing over and over again gets weird for some reason you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like it just it, it's like you have to get a flow going or somehow it's just not sustainable but you know some people just power through it you know some mm-hmm. people are like no we pick these roles and we're sticking to it. You know? mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Come, come hell or high water. And that's, and that, you know, I mean, when we circle back to the whole reason we're reading this book to talk about my mom is she was very locked into a set of expectations. She was so locked into it that when my dad changed his mind and became, you know, he started out as a professional when she married him. And then he became a bricklayer by his own choice without consulting with her. He just came home one day and said, this is what I'm doing it completely altered her life expectations and she mm-hmm. never got over it. You know, she, she never just went with the flow. Yeah. You know, and, and that and reminds that's, me that we got to bring, we got to bring Chris, my little brother. Um, so therefore Laura's son on yes. this, into this discussion, actually, probably even the next episode. Cause he, oh, we were going to do the special. Questions. We were going to, yeah, we were going to do the special yeah. after chapter 10 episode, weren't we? Yeah, and this is it. This is chapter 10. So there it is. That's coming. Just something to call okay. out. All right, good. Well, tune in next time then, folks. Oh, wait, wait, I think wait, wait. oh wait. you want to just oh wait, but Don't wait, there's more. Yet. We also need to explain one strange thing we said in our reading. Oh <laughs> which you've been <laughs> waiting on the edge of your seat, I'm sure, to understand this. We have these to tell potatoes. Them. Yes, we do. Because these mashed potatoes are, are so, are so creamy. creamy. <laughs> What was her Some name? people will know. I'm always mm. imp- impressed when somebody quotes uh, this movie. This movie. Uh, yes. This movie is uh, While You Were While Sleeping, sleeping. Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a scene where the whole family is sitting around the table. It's quite funny. We recommend that you watch it. Yes. They're, they're all- having like, they're having like three cross conversations. Yes. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's genius it's so good actually like mm-hmm. i showed this it's a holiday movie you know it's yes people, yeah it happens over the holidays absolutely um, yeah so it's got that like it's got that christmas flair for people mm-hmm. who are who do the christmas thing mm-hmm. um but uh but i showed it so i showed it to my friends and we we actually replayed that scene because they were shocked <laughs> at how good it is there are like all these like comedy people you know and they were just like what was that? And I'm like, re- <laughs> rewind, replay. It's so good. <laughs> you like brunettes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that'll make sense when you watch it. You know, watch it, watch it, enjoy it. If you, I, I envy you watching it for the first time if you've never watched it. Oh, that's that's classic. Actually, <sighs> I think it holds up. I don't think I had. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. You know, like we just watched it. We watched it. We, it's it's, right? it's one of our movies. We've got I've got the stack of Christmas movies that that John and I pull out between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we watch maybe four of them every year. You know, yeah. like different ones. And it's like this year, let's watch Sleepless in Seattle. We watched it again. It's just it's great. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely holds up. Okay. Um, okay, so tune in next time. We might have a special episode of the conversation with both my children which would be Mm -hmm. super fun. And then, and then come back again for chapter 11, the sleigh ride. I'm excited about this because I think I did when I was in high school, I was the president of the drama society. Right. 
And I did. Well, I did. It wasn't a sleigh ride because we were in, well, I guess it was Chicago. It should have been a sleigh ride, but it was not a sleigh ride. It was a hay ride. And I think I did oh, yeah. a hay ride because of this book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Made everybody go on this hay ride. It was a riot um, to, oh. to raise money for the, for the drama society. So, um, okay, great. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. Next time. Bye. See you, see you next time. Bye-bye.